Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. It's that little chico pit boom, Mr. 305, but I said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at negative to positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken and you know, that's fire. Now, Bobo, you know that you could get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on negative to positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how our life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Today on Collider Movie Talk, we got some box office analysis looking at Terminator Dark Fate's opening weekend. And hey, the Spider-Verse is back. They're returning. And Ant-Man is growing for a third time with Peyton Reed coming back to the property. Talk about all of that today on Collider Movie Talk. Hey everyone, I'm John Roca sitting in for Perry Nemiroff, who's recovering from her incredible feat of running the New York City Marathon. I'm sitting in the host chair today for another live episode of Collider Movie Talk. Thanks so much for joining us. And by us, I mean two other people besides me on the panel. That's Robert Butler III, RB3, who is quickly becoming a favorite of you Movie Talk fans. And Andres Ace Cabrera, my brother, mi hermano, he is joining us today as well, talking about all these incredible topics. But first, let's get to the call sheet. All right. Terminator Dark Fate won the box office during its opening weekend, but also tanked hard, earning only $29 million domestically. Joker held on for another second-place finish with $13.9 million, slowly creeping toward a billion dollars worldwide. We'll see if that happens. And Maleficent 2 came in in third place with $12.2 million. Later on in the show, we'll discuss why T6, or Terminator Dark Fate, or Terminator Dark Fate, finished first and why it does not equate to a successful opening for the franchise. Now, uh, let's move on to the Sony Spider-Verse. A date for the sequel to the Oscar-winning Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is set to take place on April 8th, 2022. Producers Phil Lord and Christopher Miller are back, while Avatar The Last Airbender's Joaquin Dos Santos will take the director's chair with a script by Wonder Woman 1984 and Shang-Chi screenwriter David Callahan. Uh, the sequel will reportedly explore a budding romance between Gwen Stacy and Miles Morales, and hopefully we'll get some more great one-liners from Nicolas Cage. That's right. The wind. Alright, according to Deadline, Ridley Scott has committed to a film, uh, to direct a film about the tumultuous Gucci fashion dynasty and the 
murder of the grandson of founder Guccio Gucci. Lady Gaga is attached to star as Patricia Reggiani, who was convicted of orchestrating her ex-husband's assassination on the steps of his office in 1995. It's the first film Gaga has signed on to following her breakout role in A Star Is Born. She was incredible in that, and it earned her an Oscar for Best Song. Scott plans to rush this film into production after directing The Last Duel, which, if you remember, that reunites Matt Damon with Ben Affleck. All right, let's move on to our next item, and that's Jodie Foster. Shane Lee Woodley and Tahar Rahim are set to join Benedict Cumberbatch in Prisoner 760, directed by last, The Last King of Scotland's Kevin MacDonald. The real-life drama follows a prisoner of Guantanamo Bay whose defense team, played by Jodie Foster and Shane Lee Woodley, along with a military prosecutor Cumberbatch seeks justice for the man who spent 14 years in captivity without charge or trial and remains one of the only Guantanamo prisoners the U.S. government admits to torturing. The film adaptation begins shooting next month. All right, our last item here on the call sheet is what I mentioned there at the beginning, the Ant-Man 3 news. It's good news for Ant-Man fans. Marvel is bringing back director Peyton Reed for Ant-Man 3. The incredible shrinking man and woman, the, that's the wasp there, will suit up by the end of next year or possibly early 2021. And we can presume Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer will return alongside Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly. No word from Kevin Feige yet on where this threequel will fall in Phase 5 or how the events of Endgame or any upcoming Phase for titles will affect the Lang and Pym households. Ant-Man and the Wasp and Stature, perhaps? A lot to discuss about that. Uh, we'll get into it now in just a second here on Live Movie Talk. Let's go. That's right. Like I said, let's go. Let's get into this. We're going to talk about some box office here, but first we've got to meet the boys hanging out with me for the Meaning Of podcast. Let's take a look. Robert Butler the third right there, RB3. Massive Lakers fan. Look at him standing for the Lakers. I represent. Mean, for... Yeah, I represent. What's going on here, RB3? How are they 6-1 and one or 5-1? and one? What's going on? 5-1 and one because we got a dynamite team. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard put up 14 points, 13 boards last night. We're looking good. It's not because they paid the refs this year? All right, cool. All right, Ace Cabrera, represent hey, Phoenix. Let's go. Hey, Phoenix Suns are four and two. That means we're not the worst team in the NBA. Not we yet. might even make the playoffs this year, man. What's up with that? Well, there you Everyone's go. hating on us, and we're coming back. And, and AC versus the number one seed, Phoenix Suns, Lakers is over. Bro. Hey, Come what on, if dog. we upset the Lakers? All right, man. this is movie talk. Let's, let's calm it down. Let's calm it. Let's get into things. I brought these guys on because I want to talk about some incredible stories here today. They start with the box office. Terminator Dark Fate made 29 million dollars over the weekend certainly number one for the weekend but it's number one like melting steel in the franchise it is sinking mm. slowly a lot of people are surprised by the numbers coming out here for uh, uh for terminator dark fate in the end it, it was it was uh, the thing that was surprising about it too is it didn't even do as well as they had predicted overseas so you look at the numbers that are coming down here for terminator dark fate it's actually surprising uh for what it did it's it's it'll end up right now it's looking like it might end up between 79 and 83 million which is below the Lone Ranger at 88 below Genesis at 89 which I would argue Terminator is a way better film than Genesis and even below Alita right now it opened at 28 million in China which is just a little bit over what Genesis did which was 26.9 million but also Genesis went on to earn 113.5 million in China which is really surprising uh, a lot of the rival studios are saying right now that at this rate Terminator Dark Fate could lose $100 million by the end of its run. Uh, RB3, I'll go to you first on this one, man. A, yeah. how surprised are you by the numbers here? And B, what do you think happened? 
Um, well, I'm not surprised at all. I think really? uh, okay. they've been using the same data game plan for the Terminator franchise for the longest time. Okay. I feel like every single time they roll it out, they say, oh, James Cameron's back. Oh, James Cameron. Oh, we're bringing Arnie back. They did the same thing with Genesis. They did the exact. I remember for Terminator Genesis, they did whole TV commercials yeah. where James Cameron was on screen saying, this is Terminator 3. Now they did this movie. This is Terminator 3. People, at, at a certain point, people are not going to buy into the lie anymore. So mm-hmm. um, it is what it is. I think, uh, you know, a lot of people still like Terminator, uh, yeah. but I think people hold the first two as their own kind of thing and the subsequent ones is insignificant so it doesn't even it's, it's not even registering with audiences anymore right, Ace, so you look at this you think it's you think it just didn't register with the audience you think they were just kind of following the same game plan or do you think this was actually a decent movie but the other last two installments really kind of soured people on coming back to this i think thing? that's exactly it i mean regardless of how good this movie is i don't mm. think people were even going to consider giving it a chance because of the previous sequels you should have seen the conversation surrounding this movie just in my circle of okay. friends who aren't you know, like super movie fans, like like we are. Mm-hmm. Just the conversation was, oh, another Terminator sequel. It's going to be terrible. And I'm mm-hmm. like, no, guys, I, I swear it's going to be different this time. It feels better. And they're like, no, it's another terrible Terminator. Why would I pay money to see another Genesis, right, another right. Uh, Rise of the Machines, another Salvation? They were just so it's, – it's a fool me once kind of situation where they're like, we've given this franchise so many opportunities to prove itself, and it hasn't done that. Why would I pay money – to see another terrible Terminator sequel. That's the conversation. That's the stigma mm-hmm. that this movie just couldn't dust off no matter how hard it tried, even though most people who saw it were coming out pretty positive, and mm-hmm. I came out really positive, and I enjoyed the movie, mm-hmm. but the stink of the previous Terminator films just won't go away, and I think I think this might be it, guys. I think we're... This is yeah. it. The, I mean, the Terminator franchise has been tried and tried again to be revived, and mm-hmm. it just hasn't been able to be... And even like you said, I mean, if we can save it internationally, at least we had a chance. I mean, yeah. this was a co-production of Tencent, I believe. Which Tencent, yeah, and three other studios. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that couldn't save it either. Mm-hmm. So this is one of those things where the international box office won't save it. Domestic already killed it. Yeah. It's well, one of, and, and if I'm being honest, if this is the last one, yeah. at least it went off on a high note. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I enjoyed yeah. the film, movie. I had a lot of, uh, I enjoyed it so much about what they did with the story. I actually liked that they did with it. Everyone's upset about what they did in the opening moments of the movie yeah. but I thought it made sense story-wise and sure. I thought okay if you're going to change something that actions actually lead to changed things then you've got to follow that logic along so to me it didn't bother me but obviously that's uh, uh, to my tweet I've seen a lot of responses from people who are upset about that decision creatively uh, and I understand they're upset I just didn't mind the decision I guess sure. I don't have the the love for this certain character that other people have at, at that level. You know what I'm saying? And, of course, I enjoy that character, but I mean, like, just that character out of that particular installment. Now, you look at the film made $129, uh, $123 million worldwide, uh, a little bit over $123 million worldwide, but it was on a budget of $185 million. I think this is where the mistake is as well, right? Because RB, uh, Halloween kills, or Halloween, rather, that re- it was only made for, like, what, $10, $15 million at Blumhouse. Yeah. It made a crap ton. You come in at $185 million, and I get it. You've got a higher special effects budget with the Terminator situation versus Halloween that's more of a grounded thing. Um 
this was did, did you think this was a mistake to go this high with the budget i definitely think it was a mistake i think a lot of this movie was a mistake i think the trailer looked awful i mean okay. they spent a lot of money and the trailer looked absolutely garbage i mean that's just me i don't know how the rest of the movie looked mm. but the visual effects did not look good in the okay. in the trailer at least um i don't know uh you know tim miller i'm obviously a fan of deadpool but yeah. i don't know what his style really represents outside of that so i can really go in trusting like the filmmaker per se all i really had was the word of james cameron and as yeah. we know the word of james cameron really doesn't mean that much anymore um <laughs> you know but we still i mean i'm still looking forward to his avatar sequels and i do think he's still the king of sequels and you guys obviously love this movie yeah um but i i do think that the the trailer didn't help the visual effects didn't help it didn't really have the uh stand and it, it looked like it was terminated too again from the very from the trailer it looked like it was the same kind of shape-shifting uh, you know robot technology mm-hmm. and i think audience was just like why why would i see t2 again like i just have a much better original version mm. so yeah i think audiences literally gave up just due to genesis i mean people still have that stink of genesis you know in their eyesight in their mouth like they still feel like this is coming from the same kind of mind because of the James Cameron like you said he was behind Genesis he kept Mm -hmm. saying it was you know this is the one this is the one and it wasn't the one I for one still believe and I I gotta be honest I still think James Cameron's like a genius and I still think I I still like the leader a lot I still think I mean two movies were high budgeted Mm -hmm. pretty freaking good movies Alita and Dark Fate so far Mm -hmm. both of them kind of bombed at the box office and both of them have an inflated box office. I mean, an inflated uh, budget Mm -hmm. because of the action, because of the special effects. So I, for one, feel like it's, it's James Cameron pitching this budget to the studio. It's him saying, Hey, trust Tim Miller, trust Robert Rodriguez with this kind of money, because I trust these guys, give them a big budget. And that's why Alita got a huge budget. And then dark fate had a huge budget. You kind of, you kind of have to I have think, a big budget. I, I think Alita will make more money than Terminator. It, it's already making more money, but what I'm yeah. saying is, is to answer your first question, yep. Terminator, unlike Halloween, unlike other sequels or remakes or reboots, has to have a big like it has to have a big budget. Yeah. Otherwise, it won't be that action movie that mm. people expect, like a T2. If you rewatch T2, man, because I did yeah. over the weekend. T2 is got a big budget. That's a big like, bu- it was the highest budget a, movie. I was going to say, that's a yeah, big budget movie. Yeah, but the, look, <laughs> the Terminator <laughs> 1 is not. That's, that's right. true. Yeah, and right, they should have right. done that, I think. They should have gone more well, the, to Terminator But those 1, effects show yeah. in Terminator 1. Those are some, now in retrospect, those are some pretty cheesy special effects in retrospect mm-hmm. from Terminator 1 now. Right. But look, but let me swing back around with you guys. I was going to jump into more box office we will in just a second, but let me swing back in just a second. But let me swing back. Do you guys get worried now for Avatar? Should Cameron should uh, the studio be worried about people's responses to Avatar because although he is directing it, he's producing it. But like, if two films that he has produced doesn't get enough people into the seats, will him directing be enough of a push over the line to get more people in the seats? Wow, yeah, That's I mean, you, man. listen, listen, uh, you're the biggest Avatar listen, fan I know. Listen, there's only one, there's only one man named JC in Hollywood. It's not Jesus Christ. It's James Cameron. <laughs> wow. Uh, anytime James well, Cameron steps okay. behind the camera. <laughs> He is putting in work. And again, I always say it again, Terminator 2, best, one of the best sequels. Aliens, one of the best sequels. Mm. Avatar is going to have a... I think we're, we're going to see the trailer for that. We're going to be blown away. He's going to introduce some sort of new technology that's going to blow people's minds. Um, uh, there's rumors about it being like 3D, but without the glasses or something. That's yeah. kind of the uh, rumor that's high going frame around. Rate. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. High frame rate and mm-hmm. everything. I don't, know, I don't know how that's going to... I have no idea. I don't, I'm not a science person, so I can't tell. But I think that is going to be the, the, the push. The okay. technology is going to So you think this push. doesn't... 
um, affect him negatively, Cameron, or affect Avatar? Uh, I think it, you know, studios get nervous, but, you know, you also got to remember, too, Disney is now owned by Fox. This is a Disney movie. These right. are going to be Disney movies, and they're, mm. they, they're going to know how to market it. They're, they're going to know how to marketing. push it out. Okay. And it's gonna, I think this is going to make another $2 billion. What about, <laughs> what about I, you, Ace? I, I, I'm a little more pessimistic just because I feel like as much money as Avatar made, and no one can deny it's made a ton of money, it, it's one of those things where it's not a beloved franchise mm. it's not one of those things where people go back to it and rewatch the avatar movies no one rewatches avatar 2009 maybe besides rb3 yeah. <laughs> but whereas people rewatch the terminator movies people rewatch aliens people rewatch the other james cameron movies mm. that's not the same vibe you get from avatar and like you said this has a lot to do with budget we're going to talk about joker in a second yeah, but yeah. one of the reasons why it's been so successful is because it didn't have an $180 million budget and it's making so much money. That's part of the success of Joker, right? Is that it's one of the most profitable movies Mm -hmm. of all time because of the budget. The problem with Avatar is that budget's going to be like... Three hundred million every movie. Yeah. Well, they've that's, already they've already conf- crazy. I mean, they've already confirmed that they've shot three, two, and three, and then yeah. they're going to shoot four and five after the reception of the sequels mm-hmm. go. And I personally think, listen, they're they're James Cameron is also great at underwater sequences, and a lot of behind the scenes has been a lot of underwater. Yes, and and Pandora. That, so that's and gonna, we, that sounds very expensive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we got a taste of that in Gemini, man. The underwater stuff, high frame rate that they're going to use. Sure. Yeah. Cameron says he's going to be he's going to be conservative with how he uses the high frame rate in the Avatar movies. I think that's smart overall. Yes. So we'll see. But I think I think if I was a James Cameron fan, I might be a little worried that mm-hmm. the name that he's put his name on things, the things he's liked, things, and it's been a long time. Right. And we might have changed uh, as a society. Will we come running out to see an Avatar movie? I don't mm. know. But now this performance makes me think that there can be some valid questions about how Avatar is going to do. All right. You mentioned Joker. Let's get into the rest of the box office. If Adam can put up that graphic. Let's see if I've got it in front of me here uh, for the rest of the box office. Uh, where is it here? Okay, yeah. Joker did $13.9 million in second place. Uh, Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, did $12.2 million in third place. Harriet uh, did $12 million. There we go. Surprisingly enough in fourth place. That's pretty incredible on, a, I think, $17 million budget. And the Adams Family hanging on in there. Number five at $8.5 million in week four of its release. All right, you look at all five of those. Uh, which one jumps out at you, Ace? I mean, Joker. Yeah. I mean, my God, the movie that keeps making money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This movie you hate. I didn't. You hate Joker? <laughs> I did not hate this movie. What? <laughs> you hate Just because I didn't say it was the greatest movie of all time, all and right. I worshipped right. at the side of the movie like right. everyone else is. Sorry, guys. You, I don't. I don't worship this movie. I don't think the it's the greatest of movie it, of all time. Story. I, I don't. I, I don't think it is. <laughs> okay. um, it's still a movie that's that's really defined 2019. I, I got to mm-hmm. say, it probably even more. I mean, I don't know if I want to say more than Avengers Endgame, but probably more than Avengers Endgame, just based on profit profitability, just based on just the conversation around this movie, just based on how this movie has really cater towards younger audiences, older audiences, audiences of all ages, and people who kind of want to get into conversations about film, superhero franchise versus art art house and how they can combine the two. Yeah. All these kind of general movie conversations have centered around this movie and it keeps making money regardless of what anyone wants to say of the quality of the film or of the Oscar chances or all this other stuff. It made money. And the fact that it's going to it might make a billion dollars yeah. mm-hmm. is blowing me away considering the budget, considering everything else. It's like... How is this 
R-rated movie going to be the most profitable R-rated mm-hmm. movie ever, the biggest R-rated movie ever. It's it's incredible. Yeah, I'm you, blown talk, away. you talk about it. It's, it only declined twenty four percent overseas and earned earned thirty seven million dollars from seventy nine markets uh, this past weekend. It's at six hundred thirty four point four million at the international box office right now. It's at nine hundred thirty four million worldwide. Nine hundred on a fifty five million sixty million dollar budget. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, and what I went again, I took my girlfriend for the first time. She hadn't seen it yet. We went again uh, Saturday night to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, thoroughly enjoyed it as well a second time. I get, people's, I get people's complaints with it, but mm-hmm. I think this is the thing. People are coming back to see this thing over and over and over again because A, they enjoy the artistry of the film. Yes. B, they want to figure out if they actually do like the film. Mm-hmm. And three, if they caught everything. Like this time around, I caught that uh, Bruce Wayne slides down, the little Bruce Wayne slides down a bat pole, slides down a pole from his little, where he was standing. And I'm like, oh, that's a reference to the 60s Batman, how they slid down the bat pole. So Ah. all these little things you catch as you're watching it over and over again, these references, these winks, these nods, I think is brilliant. Uh, What about you, uh, Arby? What do you want to talk about? No, I think, well, for me, just going back to Joker real Mm, quick, I think Joker really connects to a lot of people worldwide. It's about class. It's about uh, issues of class. Eat the rich, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. so it it really connects. I know CNN even put out a, a, a whole thing recently about protesters and I think in China and other countries right, are actually putting on Joker mask. Um, oh, wow. So, you know, it's, it's really showing the trans, uh, how it connected to people overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the biggest stories uh, was coming out well, for a lot of audiences was for uh, Harriet. Yeah. Um, Harriet did great. It made $12 million, opened at number four. Now, it's funny because, you know, Macy kind of, or Andres, you mentioned how this movie you didn't see any marketing for this movie. Right. I think they had a very targeted marketing campaign mm-hmm. because I saw a lot of ads and stuff for this on like BET, VH1. Like, you know, they went very specifically mm-hmm. targeting towards the black community and uh, the black community showed up. It's great seeing a positive historical figure mm-hmm. um, have a representation in the movie and make money. Now, I didn't see it. I really don't have any interest in seeing slave movies. <laughs> um, but uh, okay. it, but it's, great. it's great that this made a lot of money and it's great that we're finally getting... Harriet Tubman, the, rep- the representation that she deserves. Well, it's pretty incredible because it's $17 million budget, made $12 million on the opening. It has a 3.07 times multiplier with an A-plus cinema score. Yeah. So this thing could have legs for quite some time as alternate programming to other stuff that's out there. You know, we have Irishman coming out yes. soon. That's that's uh, coming up here uh, on the docket. you got all these other movies that are coming out. So it could be a nice, like, counter to everything. Mm-hmm. And also, it's it's not a standard uh, Harriet Tubman story. That's what's about Harriet Tubman. For those who look it up, if you don't know who that is um you it's a little more of an action oriented film so you know we've seen this with knight's tale we've seen this with these historical movies that take a little bit of leeway with the anachronistic approach of things maybe this worked for this as well mm-hmm. what do you think ace yeah i mean it's one of those things where you want to get people in the theaters to actually have an entertaining movie why not throw in some action scenes and throw in some different you know parts of history that didn't actually happen just to make it a little more entertaining. That happens a lot with movies. So I think if it's working as far as box office wise, I say, go for it. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the difference between something like Django, which is completely fictional. Yeah. And right. Something like this, that is actually based on a real person. It's a little bit different. Yeah. So, all right. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I, I'm now with this box office. I think I might go sneak in and see it some afternoon or some uh, night after work and see if it's damn good. Um, mm-hmm. Two negative things. Motherless Brooklyn uh, came out. That's the one with uh, Edward Norton and Bruce Willis. $26 million budget. Only made $3.65 million. Uh, And I know uh, Edward Norton was pushing this thing hard. He worked really hard to get this thing out. And only seeing it at $3.65 million has to be a bit disheartening for him. Arctic Dogs also debuted. This this animated feature with Jeremy Renner as the lead 
made on a $50 million budget. This animated film only opened with $3.1 million. So, uh, you know, yeah. the box office was a bit rough for some titles, uh, not named Harriet. All right, let's move on to a couple <laughs> of quick movie talk, uh, movie, uh, yeah, movie talk uh, chat questions real quick. Uh, the Disco Deep, I would like to talk about Ryan Johnson's Star Wars trilogy. What are the odds this thing goes down? I say 20%. You know, this comes from a recent uh, uh, interview with uh, Ryan Johnson. He said, they're still talking about it. Uh-huh. So it wasn't as positive as he's been in the past. Do you think with Benioff and Weiss going out, is, him, is he starting to slowly kind of drop the seeds that he might be getting out of this situation as well? What do you guys think? Uh, I sure hope not. I mean, I, I, I talked about it on Mailbag yesterday yes. when I was on there with you. Uh, I'm a huge Ryan Johnson. killed me for that. <laughs> I don't understand why. He makes great movies the outside of The Last Jedi. Yeah. yeah, but besides The Last Jedi, he makes great movies. Um, and, you know, maybe Star Wars isn't his forte. Um, that does sound a little worrisome. I do still want to see his new trilogy, though. Mm-hmm. And I think he is one of the best directors and writers, and I think he brings a lot to Star Wars. Um, but, you know, if, if it doesn't happen, I'm more than happy to see Ryan Johnson go back to doing his more original stuff so. okay I, I think it's i think it's difficult because if he does go through with it mm-hmm. th- there will be a certain fan base that does support him there's no denying that as as much negativity as there is surrounding the last jedi surrounding ryan johnson mm-hmm. there is a lot of also positivity surrounding him however if he doesn't go through with it i i can see Lucasfilm and kathleen kind of pitching and saying you know what this isn't going to work out there's too much negativity we couldn't surpass it we already got rid of D&D from Game of Thrones. Let's move on in a different direction, restart, and, and get rid of the Ryan Johnson trilogy as well. But that's also kind of a bad PR move. If we're losing so much, mm. what director, director, director from Star Wars, that it feels like there's no organization. And almost as a PR move, it would be better to keep him on, to not make it look like, Lucasfilm is just going through the motions and going through the waves and they have no direction and no idea where they're going. Because if, if they keep dropping directors, yeah. including Ryan, like if they drop Ryan, Ryan Johnson out after dropping D&D, yeah. it really feels like it's so disorganized that there's no faith now from audiences to trust that they're going to make any, that anything they say is actually going to happen. Okay. So, so it's, I feel like it might be even a bad PR move to get rid of him because of that but i also feel like they can make an argument saying that it's too too much of a risk and that's right they keep getting rid of directors because they don't want to risk a star wars movie that doesn't have the branding that they want because it's all about branding right now it's lucasfilm so of course it's it's about having a valuable ip not just having ip having Mm -hmm. valuable ip that people want to experience and see um i hear your point ace but i mean when you're playing with millions and possibly billions of dollars doing it just to save face or just to keep a pr situation going positively isn't the best move, I think, overall for a studio financially. Uh, but we'll see. But and what, this all stems from an interview with Deadline real quick. Sorry, RB3, real quick. He, Johnson said, when asked about the his trilogy, he said, we're still engaged with Lucasfilm and we'll wait and see. No updates on it at this moment, but yeah. So not a positive response. Overall. No. But I would counter it. And I like the idea. The cat, I'm, I'm on a lifeboat with maybe four or five other people. Um, but I think that I like the idea that Kathleen Kennedy is making decisions quickly. When things ain't working, boom, you're out. I got to get somebody else who understands and figures it out. Uh, and maybe that speaks more about her vetting process or their vetting process isn't as strong as it needs to be. But I like that she makes strong decisions. When I'm sensing that you're not the right person to handle this thing, you're out. And I'm moving on to the next person. The only mistake, I believe, in my opinion, was the solo situation where yes. they were way too late in the process and ended up killing the film. Sure, but, but can I make a counter argument to that and say, doesn't that seem a little too reactive? 
whether it be Colin Trevorrow with Book of Henry, whether it be D&D and the bad season of Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. everything seems like, oh, well, fans, fans are saying this, so we got to fire the guy. Fans are saying that Book of Henry was terrible. Let's fire the guy. Fans are saying that Game of Thrones sucks, so let's fire the guy. Like, mm-hmm. it really seems like they're so reactive that it's, it's, they're not giving the creators a chance. And with the solo situation, I'm still kind of with you because yep. it, it, it was a little different because they were, you know, like you said, so far in the process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it seemed like Lord and Miller were there to make something unique and different, and she kind of just pulled the trigger at the very end when right. she should have done it much sooner. But it still feels so reactive. Like, well, people hate Ryan Johnson now. I guess we got to get rid of him. People hate the, the Game of Thrones guys. Mm. Guess we got to get rid of them. Well, it might Colin just, Trevorrow sucks now. Like, it, it yeah. feels so reactive. It might just not just be the people. It might be them actually having creative differences with that's, them. That's very yeah. true. That's, but I think that yeah, has to figure in the factor. On paper, it seems like it's coming from sure. conversations. Well, also, I think there's also a big factor we have to consider here. You know, the... With with uh, Colin Trevorrow um, and with and and with Book of Henry, that movie mm-hmm. didn't do well. Yeah. With um, with last season of Game of Thrones, it was a big hit. It won a lot of Emmys, but the fans weren't reactive to it. Right. Uh, obviously, people weren't reactive to you know a lot of the online community wasn't reactive to the Last Jedi. But again, that movie made one point three billion dollars. Yeah. It came in under budget, and um, and as far as as far as the new trilogy goes, besides J.J. Abrams and The Force Awakens, this is the only movie to have gone right. Yeah, the Rogue One didn't go right. Um, Solo didn't go right. Uh, they canceled mad TV shows and stuff. So I think this is, I think, if anything, that's just a further case to be like, yo, Ryan Johnson's the only good one. It's a fair, it's a fair point. So let's move point. on to our next story, uh, a little more positive here, and that's the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse is getting a sequel. It was announced by Sony, this on Twitter. They messed with us the day before, then they dropped the news the next day. That's how you do it, Twitter. People who run Twitter accounts, that's how you do it. April 8th, 2022 is when this film is coming out. Chris Miller, who co-produced the first film, along with Phil Lord uh, noted that we're back uh, and Joaquin Dos Santos is coming back and uh, is coming on to the project and we'll be directing this, this with uh, from writer David Callahan as I mentioned earlier in the call sheet um, uh, a sequel is supposed to explore the romance between Gwen and Miles according to Amy Pascal but of course there have been rumors about spin-off movies there have been rumors about all these other things first of all Ace what's your reaction to this and A wh- and B what do you want to see in the Spider-Verse sequel I, I gotta be the first one to say for people who don't know who Joaquin Dos Santos is yeah is one of the best animated directors working right now. He directed some of the best episodes of Avatar The Last Airbender. Mm. He directed most of The Legend of Korra, which is one of the best animated shows of all time. I, this is something like, my, my dog is named Korra. Like, I love <laughs> this, this show, this franchise, Avatar World, is one of my favorites. And I'm telling you guys, it's this perfect blend of anime-inspired uh, artistry combined with some traditional American cartoon kind of aspects. It, he's an incredible director. I'm so excited for this. Um, and the Spider, the Spider-Man universe, as we've seen in the Spider-Verse movie, it's one of the deepest, most profound universes there is. You can make so much just from this universe, mm-hmm. and the animated form gives you much more of an opportunity to do that because we can see characters like. Obviously, Miles Morales, but then what about Silk? What yeah. if we get a Cindy Moon in a, mm-hmm. in a movie? I think that'd be amazing. Right. Or probably one of my favorites, and they tease it at the end. Spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen it, Miguel O'Hara. Right. 2099, one of my favorite Spider-Mans. I grew up with that guy, and I would love to see Oscar Isaac play an animated Miguel O'Hara. Like That, to me, is... 
It'd be amazing. I'm excited for this one. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, Spider-Man 2099, who, 2099, I collected all those. Like from issue one yeah. on, I have all those still sitting in the attic in my mom's place back in Virginia somewhere. Um, that is exciting for the possibilities here. Having Spider-Gwen and uh, Spider-Man and Miles Morales like explore this relationship a little more doesn't necessarily have to be a romantic relationship. Could be just a mm-hmm. friendship and yeah. how we explore that and how that works. You know, I like that's what, one of the things I liked about the end of Bumblebee. Haley Stanfield, they didn't have to end up together at the end it's the beginning of a relationship so it's conversation could end up friendship could end up relationship you never know uh you talk about uh, silk but she might be part of this spinoff thing that maybe they'll spin off of this movie it's supposed to be with spider woman madam web spider girl and silk and there were remember there were also rumors that toby mcguire andrew garfield and tom holland were going to make cameos yeah. voiceover wise in mm-hmm. this version of spider so RB3, do you like that this... Obviously, you probably love that this is happening, but yes. do you want to see things like that like come back into this and be a great wink towards the fans? Listen, I, um, Spider-Man is my favorite character, of, of probably a comic character of all time. I've mm-hmm. done Spider-Man multiple times for Halloween and everything. So I, I, I love Spider-Man. I would love to see um, Tobey Maguire come back. I know he was a, they had approached him to play the uh, uh, Peter B. Parker, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Um, so I would, I would love to see him return to the franchise. I don't know about Andrew Garfield, but it would be nice to have that wink. The one mm-hmm. Spider-Man series that wasn't referenced in the, in, in the new mm. films was the Andrew Garfield. One. Right. So uh, it would be nice to see that in terms of villains. I, I, I really want to see Nightwatch be, be the new villain for this mm-hmm. movie. Um, Nightwatch is an iconic character that we haven't oh, seen on Nightwatch, screen yet. Yeah. And we haven't even seen him in any video games yet. So there's still a prime opportunity to introduce mm-hmm. people to some, somebody new. Um, and I would love to see like Black Cat maybe become a part of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. There's so many. There's so many layers and fascinating ways they could go with it. I, I I'm really excited for it. So okay, I, I'm excited too. I mean, I I, I want to see what they put together. I want to see what they weave into this from the world of Miles Morales. Yes, you know, and do, maybe there's not as many. And I don't know if Nick Cage comes back. I don't know if any of the other spy because obviously they went back to their own dimensions. Right. But you know, if you're gonna have spy, if you're gonna Spider Gwen and Miles Morales, Spider Man coming together, you've obviously you're obviously able to do some transdimensional stuff. Mm-hmm. And obviously, at the end of the movie, they tease that they could be coming back together. So that would be interesting. And we want to see Miles now. A more mature Miles. He has yeah, now embraced right. what he's supposed to do. Hopefully his mom and dad come back in this as well to have a little more of a part in the movie as well. Mm-hmm. Those are always one of the great things about Spider-Man is when the family is involved, right? Aunt May, all, all the different versions of Spider-Man, the family being involved is a, is a massive part of this thing. So mm-hmm. I'm excited for it overall, and I, I hope they take care of business and bring some interesting people back in, and maybe even some of the team stuff because he's been involved in teams as well in the Miles Morales universe. So there's a lot to explore there. All right, let's move on to our third story. And that is, oh no, actually, let's go into uh, some uh, plugs. That's right, some plugs here. You know, we got a lot of great content here on Collider and we love to put it out for you, the fans. Let's take a look at some plugs right now for two of our shows that we got coming up. Hey guys, Riley here, and let me tell you about Rule of Two. You looking for a Star Wars fix? Well, Rule of Two is that show. It drops in on Collider Video's main YouTube channel, as well as on Podcast One's Jedi Council feed. So go over there, subscribe, share it with your friends. It's hosted by myself and Mark Fernandez. We talk everything in the Star Wars universe with a lot of deep dives and a lot of conversations that go all in. You know what to do. Subscribe, join us there, and rise. 
Hey everyone, John Roca here, the host of Collider Sports Time. Well, you know, if you've been watching us every week, you know we break down the latest and the greatest in the world of sports, talk about the big issues, the big games, all of it with a rotating band of guests like Matt Nose and Josh McCuga. We've had Taylor Bashotti on. We've had so many great guests. Now, if you want to see more of Sports Time or you want to try it out for the first time, remember to subscribe to Collider Sports YouTube channel for all the sports goodness. Oh, there you go. That was me talking to you about Sports Time. That's coming up later on today at 1 p.m. Live, live, live on uh, Collider Sports YouTube channel. But this is Collider Movie Talk. Let's move on to our last story, and that's Peyton Reed. He is coming back to direct the third installment in the Ant-Man franchise. He is the only the second director in the entire MCU to come back and fin- and, and uh, go into a, tr- a third installment of their particular franchise. James Gunn being the other one there with the Guardians of the Galaxy, and that almost didn't happen. So Peyton could have had his Peyton could have had his own uh, his own uh, record there uh, to break. Um, all right, Ant-Man and the Wasp grossed two hundred sixteen point six million dollars domestically, with one hundred twenty one point two million coming from china which was more than thor ragnarok all right uh you hear this news i gotta ask you guys uh one are you excited uh and two did you like the second one do you think the third the first one was better so do you want to see a third one that's more like the first one what do you say rb3 um i think Martin scorsese is sitting at home and just scratching his head off like what the iron man three they make three ant-man movies (laughs) We haven't even got Black Panther 2 yet? Nah, come on. I don't know. So, I, so this is... Uh, hey, Ant-Man came out first, man. You can't... Uh, barely came out first. It came out 2015. I mean, Edgar, Wright, Edgar Wright left the franchise, uh, you know, very early on. That was supposed to be the first MCU movie. Uh-huh. Um, it finally got made, and I enjoyed the first Ant-Man. I enjoyed the second one a little less, but I still enjoyed that one, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't really know where the story's supposed to move on past this point. Okay. I mean, can you, can you name me any of the villains in the second one? Uh, Who's the villain in the Ghost. first one? Hulk? Oh, ghost? Was she a villain? Yeah, yeah. She, she okay, was I mean, that's that's ten. Whatever. That's ten. Yellow Jacket is the villain in the first one. In the first one, I don't know. Corey's old son. It's, it's, it's totally unmemorable. It is the most unmemorable franchise in the MCU. Wow. Um, okay. But that being said, I still like Paul Rudd. I like Peyton Reed. Um, and I, I'm happy for a third for a full trilogy being done by a director because I think. Uh, Iron Man 3 would have benefited from John Favreau coming back. I think a lot of these mm. movies would benefit from having a, a strong voice. Wait, even after Iron Man 2, you thought Favreau should come back to Iron Man 3? Iron Man 2 was a mess. Uh, I like Iron Man 2. What? I, I think... Uh, I'll <laughs> take. But I, I, definitely, I definitely like it more than Iron Man 3. So, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that's that a shocking thing to me. That Mandarin twist happened and it was game over for me. Oh, can, yeah. Well, that I agree with. It. So you're either yeah. in or you're out at that moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah you're yeah, out yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Okay, you, you look at this uh, here. Uh, uh, Andre says, Ace, this is coming back now. It's supposed to happen. No release details have been confirmed. They say the plan is to shoot the pick at the end of 2020 or twenty or the top of 2021 with a release in 2022. And this is from THR. Sources sure. are saying that the sequels, Doctor Strange in the, in the Multiverse of Madness and Thor, Love and Thunder will shoot before mm-hmm. Ant-Man 3. So it might all connect up in this way. What do you say? Uh, it's interesting because RB3 is making some interesting points uh, mm. that this is kind of the one MCU trilogy franchise character that, correct me if I'm wrong, I, I don't mm. have it off the top of my head. It might be one of the least profitable. I believe the first movie 
didn't make as much as other well, the, Marvel movies. The first movie made five hundred nineteen point three million. Okay. The second movie made six hundred twenty two point six million. Okay. So but it's I don't not, think it's they're not bad. Tr- yeah, right. Okay. And I don't think they're trying to make massive amounts of profit. Sure. Ant Man has this never. Yeah. Ant Man has never been the Thor, or no. the Iron Man. It's, it's always been kind of that side character. Right. Much more of the comedic route. That's what we got in the first Ant Man, and that's what we got in the second one, Ant Man mm-hmm. and the Wasp. What makes what made Ant Man and the Wasp slightly more. Uh, captivating for me mm-hmm. was Evangeline Lilly having a bigger role Absolutely. as the Wasp. And I think people really catered towards her character. I saw, I mean, Halloween was last week and I saw a ton, a ton of little girls dressed up as the Wasp, mm-hmm. a ton of people dressed up as her for Halloween. It's, it's a character that really does resonate with a lot of people uh, because she's like a better version of Ant-Man, no offense to Paul Rudd, um, at least as far as action-wise goes. Mm-hmm. She's a much more stable action hero um, but it, it is a franchise that kind of it, it, it's kind of iffy, right? Because they're all solid movies, but they don't they don't have that Thor Ragnarok vibe or that you know Iron Man vibe or or the the Captain America you know feel or whatever Black Panther or whatever other Doctor Strange has his own kind of feel. Like the Ant Man movies are kind of always the solid ones. Like oh, it's a solid movie. It's a solid movie. It's a sol-. it doesn't have that extra edge. That gives it in the MCU, whereas like something like a Doctor Strange or like a Thor well, can give you. I think also because Ant Man's not that kind of ca- the way they presented him in the MCU, he's not that kind of character that needs yeah. to be that. You know, you got to have different flavors, right? I know the big complaint from a lot of uh, people who don't like the Marvel movies or have issues with the MCU is that they're all the same. Well, I don't think it's true, and mm. Ant Man certainly proves that point because it isn't as edgy or gritty or whatever as yeah. the other ones. And you got a child; he's got a child now. Cassie, this is after mm-hmm. the blip or whatever they're calling it. Right. Five years later, Cassie's now a young lady; she's a teenager. So. Uh, she could be stature. We could be seeing. Mm. That's what I think is going to happen. That's, and, that's is, exactly that, what's going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> I think Young Avengers is going to uh, is yeah. going to spin off of of Ant Man three into Phase five. I think this is why they're putting this where it is. And can I say I, I saw Ant Man and the Wasp opening weekend, mm. and one thing that really stood out to me to to you know give credits to your point yeah. is that there was a ton of kids, of course, a ton like little kids, it's like seven year olds, six year olds, right. and I was like. It kind of hit me that Ant-Man is kind of that franchise for the very little ones. Like, you know, there's, like you said, there's some other ones that are darker, mm-hmm. but Ant-Man is the one that really caters towards slightly younger audiences, and there should be an MCU movie for, for you know, little ones. It's, it's and I, sorry, it's a father-daughter story yeah. both ways. Yeah. Both Cassie and Scott, and Hank and uh, Janet. So it's a father-daughter story both ways. Go ahead, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. And I think... Uh, one thing that I think is actually kind of cool about the Ant-Man franchise, after I just got done. I was going to say. Um, Mark Scorsese's watching this. He's like, I thought I had you, man. I no, thought you no, were my no, boy. No, 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 I, th- no. I thought you were, I my, thought you were with me. I thought you were in my corner, man. <laughs> I, I thought um, you were coming with me. Listen, there's, there's two yeah. things that's cool about the franchise, though, that, that you guys are right about. One, it, 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 he is the only superhero that has a family. Yes. At an MCU besides Hawkeye. And, um, and two, um, it's the only... I think superhero movie that kind of addresses like ex prisoners and kind of has like a oh, cool. representation. Yeah. Of that. Yep, yep, yep. So that's that's really that's really well done. Otherwise, I mean, I feel like they only use the Ant Man movies for like plot devices. Um, sure. Ant Man two kind of just set up for uh, in game. Ant Man three is probably setting up like you said for the Young Avengers. Um, totally cool with that. You know, if if that's the way they choose to do it, that's the way they choose to do it. Um, but that being said, I, I hope that they can find a way to elevate this franchise. Yeah, it also has um, Homeboy, who's playing the Russian guy. Who's, I think he's hysterical. Yeah, 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 I think yeah. he's hysterical. And T.I. 
And T.I. And, T. and then it got to Michael Pena. Yeah, one yeah. of the only Latino character in the MCU. One cool. of the only. Well, no. I mean, Tessa is Latina <laughs> like, yeah, 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 and so yeah, is Zoe Zeldano. I'm saying he's People playing an actual brown Yes, he is. Lapita Nyong'o. Lapita Nyong'o. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. Two questions for you. Will Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness echo any of Avengers disassembled, leaving shoes to fill for a young Avengers team, as I said, to pop up in AM3? Do you think that's how they're going to do it in AM3? I think it could be, but I think... Multiverse of Madness might be focused more on, I, I mean, I, I, can I say mutants? Of course. But mutants. I think yeah. they might introduce mutants. You're in allowed the multiverse, to say that. Multiverse mm-hmm. of Madness <laughs> might be more catered towards Scarlet Witch. Mm-hmm. Some sort of multiverse world where now we see an introduction that can lead us to the X-Men. I yeah. think that's what Doctor Strange is going to do. Interesting. Because of the Scarlet Witch connection, be- because of her X-Men connection, and because of the whole No More Mutants yeah. kind of storyline that she's going with in WandaVision. Um, I know she's going more with the comic that, I forget the name of the comic. House of M. House of M. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, uh, with the WandaVision uh, TV show. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that's kind of where they're going versus Young Avengers. I feel like Young Avengers can be brought up in, in maybe a Spider-Man sequel mm-hmm. or an Ant-Man sequel. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I, it's funny because I actually uh, foresee the X-Men being set up in like something like Eternals. Right? Like, oh, okay. I think that's going to be... I can be, see that. Because I think, for yeah. one, people don't know about Eternals and that will get yeah. the conversation going. And for two, the story that that's based on, it's based on like these all-powerful, mm. like you know, eternal, immortal mm. beings. They're probably the ones who might have figured out a way to genetically you know, mutate uh, humans and, mm. and, and get the X-Men franchise going. So, it's a, dan- it's a dangerous line to walk, that's for sure. Uh, do you, are you guys cool with Peyton Reed coming back? I mean, the second one, like yeah. you said, the second one wasn't, it, was, it made more money than the first one, but critically, it wasn't received as strongly as the first one. You guys okay with Peyton coming out to finish his trilogy? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a funny director. Okay. He makes some really funny movies. I, I laughed in Ant-Man and the Wasp, and I, I think that's kind of what you have to ask for. Yeah, I so. mean... Yes, man. Yes, man is great. You know, but yes, that's man. just oh, great, right? That, yeah, that's that's people Jim don't Carrey, talk about yes, man. Zoe Saldana. That's one of the best uh, G- Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey films over yes. the last ten years, fifteen mm-hmm. years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it's, that's a great film, and I think he has a really good director. Um, I again, if 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 maybe if this was like the Russo brothers, I'd be a little more excited, mm. just because I think they have a little more of something to say. If if this movie finds a message and finds a heart, that's a little. I guess the heart is family, and it is a family film. But I'd I'd want yeah. them to go a little deeper. Okay. Does Ant Man three need another end game level uh, event to entice people to seek the movie, or can it live on its own? Mm, I don't know. It might. It might. Yeah, you think? Because I feel like the main might, reason why people saw Ant Man was. It's to see the setup for Endgame. Yeah. And they, yeah, even then, people didn't see it. Yeah, people just went to YouTube and saw the post Even scene. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah, even yeah, then, yeah, people yeah. were like, what happened in Ant-Man and Lost? Can you tell me what happened? Right, right, Jesus, right. Jesus, man. Right, right, right. Yeah. But, um, but it's, it, I, it, you know, it's, that's what's hard about making the comic relief the main character. Like, how far can you really go? So... Looking forward to see it. Yeah, I'm excited. I think you've got ghosts. Hopefully, she comes back in some form. Of course, uh, Lawrence Fishburne was introduced. A giant, possibly. We'll see maybe some of that. And, of course, Evangeline Lilly is really, honestly, I mean, Ant-Man is, that's what's so great about Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd's a guy you just just love, right? Mm -hmm. You just like him. He's charming. He's fun. He never ages. He never ages. Uh, It's incredible. Yeah. Uh, He looks better now than he did when he was doing a Super Nintendo commercial in the early 90s. It's incredible. But Mm -hmm. you go along with him because of his charm. And he's one of these great point guards that serves up everybody in the right spot for them to get their shots. Yes. He, you know, Evangeline Lilly is fantastic as the Wasp, but mm-hmm. he's great being the submissive guy in his own story and finding the comic relief because she's 
very capable. She doesn't really need him, mm-hmm. but it works for them with them together. And then you have Michael Douglas, of course, and uh, and uh, uh, Hope with uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. There's other things to play off of here, and then his whole crew. So he's great at serving everyone else up, so they have these great moments, great lines at his expense. It doesn't matter to him. So that's why I think he's the, this is an essential part of the MCU, and I think he would be great to serve the Young Avengers up or whatever he's going to serve up in the in his in this installment because he worked he just works so well because even if he's playing a submissive character you still think he's the lead in your mind mm-hmm, so yeah. mm-hmm. he's got one of those rare things that the actors look for uh who do these kinds of things so we'll see uh, it's coming out uh, uh, let me see if i've got my notes correct here there's two slots that marvel uh, uh carved out here uh, i put it in my notes oh february 8th and july 29th of 2022 so we'll see if he grabs one of those slots and don't be surprised if possibly deadpool 3 grabs the other slot mm. a lot of rumors about that bu- uh, bubbling up in the social media the deadpool 3 will be the next thing they announce in fact uh marvel has gone so far to keep things secret uh, they registered a uh, disney rather has registered a shell company called finger guns production llc uh, and this is from HN Entertainment, um, and it might mean finger guns are what, what weapons are the Deadpool often uses, uh, and it's, the company is described as guns and ammo, which may support the <laughs> finger guns brand, uh, and it could be a, a clever Easter egg referencing Brad Pitt. So, mm. you know, th- this may be their build towards a Deadpool 3 announcement. I think Disney wants you to find this stuff, or they wouldn't register some shell company like this. They want you to find a report on it, so that could be the next thing that gets announced soon. So, comic book uh, movies, superhero movies, they're not going away anytime soon. Nope. Marty, sorry. <laughs> Francis, even more sorry. All right. He was uh, directing the score for it. Was that? I said he was directing the RB3, but then he lost it. <laughs> You see that clip of him directing Irishman? Oh, like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah, what he was yeah. doing with RB3. I'm, I'm he was just like, doing this. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, let's move on to some uh, live chat questions from you guys to end out the show. Uh, Steve Calderon wants to know, do you think we will ever see a live-action Miles Morales either in the MCU or in Sony's own Marvel Universe? Yes. yes, yes, 100%. Okay. I mean, it's going to happen regardless of... I mean, Miles Morales has, has reached a point where he was already popular before the mm-hmm. Spider- Spider-Verse movie. Like, he was mm-hmm. a super popular character. People were craving this character. And, and then we get him in animated form. It's inevitable that we're going to get him in live-action form. Okay. Yeah, yeah, same. I think, I think they're... I mean, they're already setting up the breadcrumbs for it. I don't think you get an actor like Donald Glover to play uh, the Prowler if you're not going to introduce... If you're not going to introduce him in the, in the MCU at some point. Um, and I also think, you know, honestly, the Avengers need a little more... Of uh, 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 that swaggy kind of, you know, what yeah. I mean, the young personality. I mean, we got obviously Tom Holland, but Tom mm. Holland's just, you know, he's he's more of a he's more of the shy kid. And and sure. the way I've always imagined Miles Morales is kind of being the cool, you know, kind of the cooler alternative to Spider Man. Mm-hmm. I, I still think Shuri should be tossed in there, man. Oh, Shuri, 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 Shuri's got that swag. She's super smart. Oh, she is super. She is super smart. Come super on, smart. man. Give me more yeah. Shuri. <laughs> well, we'll see in, De- in Black Panther two mm. how much Shuri Wright gets to do. That's for sure. I'm right, not right, down right, with that. Right. I'm down with that. All right. Um, uh, Zeno Hour wants to know. This is a bit of a controversial one. Now that the Terminator franchise is pretty much dead, uh, uh, Welp, which franchise should get one more shot at revival glory? Alien, Die Hard, or dare I say, Predator? Huh. Not Predator. <laughs> <laughs> Can I say not Die Hard? <laughs> all right, not Die Hard. Alien is the only one. A- left. Alien. Do you all agree with nah, Alien? I don't agree with Alien. I was no, gonna you see, don't want to nah, see that. You, you, you don't talk- see a James Cameron directed Alien. Oh no, nah, I don't see that. I don't see that. You're talking that. to me, man. Yeah, he's the biggest really. Scott I'm the biggest. Fan. I'm the biggest oh, okay. Alien fan there is. I'll all defend right. all the Alien sequels. It I, freaking. I I think 
Ridley Scott is the director of our time. I think that his wow. films are so above everyone's head that people don't even know how to react to them. They're so genius huh. that people are like, what? What is this? I even, think, the, even the counselor? Even the counselor? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe besides the counselor. <laughs> besides the counselor. Um, but I feel like what he was trying to deliver in the Alien sequels from Prometheus to Covenant was just... Uh, the, the buildup of something incredible, and I'm mm. so disappointed that we can't. I I, I want to finish out that trilogy, mm-hmm. that sequel trilogy that he was trying to build up with Covenant. Mm-hmm. Um, just give me one more Ridley Scott Alien film, and I'm happy. But don't you think the same thing could happen to this next Ridley Scott Alien film that happened right now? Determined. Hundred percent. The last two mm-hmm. burnt P fans and fans are not going to come out for this one. Hundred yeah. percent. I, I I agree, and it's a difficult sell. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm a studio, maybe maybe I would have to slice that budget up. Mm-hmm. But if if, if it's got to be a slight slightly pulled back budget just to give me an alien film from really yeah, Scott, yeah. give it to me. Cause I, I love the alien franchise. I think Sigourney Weaver is the way to go. If you're going to come back, I think you do the Halloween thing. Uh, okay. Lo- a little bit of lower yeah. budget, not the Terminator thing where you go 185, a little bit of lower budget, bring back Sigourney for one last run through this thing or a couple more runs to this thing and, and do a new alien slash reboot slash, you know, kick, kick out the other uh, alien installments and put her back. I in. literally just said, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love those. That's the, that's the key to them. Yeah. Um, all right. Joe's uh, J Scott Faria wants to know on the heels of Jojo rabbit, what other controversial historic figures could be satirized slash lampoon for comedic or dramatic effect? Yikes. Yeah. yeah. Nice. I mean, we saw Stalin, right? That movie Stalin came out. So it's not like Jojo rabbit oh, yeah. was mm-hmm. the first. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Stalin was like a supposed very similar to Jojo rabbit where it's right. over the top kind of, poking fun at it yeah um i don't know i mean do you think of something that um well i mean hillary and stalin are obvious ones i think at some point they're gonna make a satire about richard nixon i'm sure they already have um but i'm sure they made well, some satires about there was nixon. elvis and nixon that came out a couple of years ago with michael shannon yeah as yeah. elvis yeah. Uh, and i can't remember who played nixon i think it was dan hedaya i think or no no he did it in uh that movie uh, uh dick with uh, where he, mm. with Michelle Williams I think in that right, one as right, well right. so I don't know who played Nixon in that one I forget who it was. maybe it was Kevin Spacey I don't remember but uh, yeah, yeah there was already right. a satire of it but it's yeah it's so hard to do that though I can't mm-hmm. lie cuz if you if you you have to have distance and time away from it mm-hmm. because if it's so close people might you know not be for it I right. guess and mm-hmm. if you make a you know like a classic like like we already had uh, Adam McKay do something like Vice, which wasn't necessarily, you know, all satirical. It was partly biopicy kind of too, but it yeah. was partly satire. It's it's a difficult line to to walk. Right. So I have no idea. Well, I mean, we came close, or Quentin did with Manson, but mm. Manson was only in a like little bit of the scene. of the movie. Yeah. yeah. So I thought he was going to do that with Manson, like he did in Glorious Bastards, but mm. he didn't in the end end up doing that so i think yeah there'll be some but i think it'll be a bit because as funny as uh, jojo rabbit is and as enjoyable as it is there's already been a lot of pushback mm-hmm. online and from people of note and mm-hmm. scholars who've mm-hmm. written pieces kind of dissecting the film and showing how it's not as cool as people think it is mm-hmm. to right. kind of take a funny take on this situation and i, I absolutely respect that you know you have to mm-hmm. respect that and see the point of view uh, they're coming from. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, uh, Django Unchained was essentially a satire of plantation owners mm-hmm. during slavery oh, yeah, time. For so sure. those are kind of something you can sure. that were satirized. But again, like, like RB3 said, it wasn't based on anyone that right. we actually exactly. know, which exactly. helps. Yeah. helps yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah. I don't know who they tackle on. I don't, honestly, I don't like to jump into any of that because I think it's really dangerous. And, I think and, it is and too. And walking the tightrope <laughs> right, right, yes. uh, right. overall. All right, one last question and we'll wrap it here. This is from Star Orbit's agent. Do you think there could be a crossover for a James Cameron universe? 
Terminator and Avatar may be benefiting from it. Like Men in Black was rumored to be crossing over with 21 Jump Street. Um, I don't want that. <laughs> I don't want that. I, do, I think James Cameron has way too much respect for himself to do that. <laughs> that's, that's way too much of a, of yeah. a desperate cry. That would I, be I, I don't think he would do that. All right. All right. So. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it would work either, would it? No. 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 Are we keeping you from something? I see you checking your phone, Jay. Are you, oh. you all right? No, no, no. I'm good. I'm okay, good. I'm okay. good. No, 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 no. I don't mean to disrespect you. I want to keep you from uh, anything you're He's got some company no, meetings no, no, coming no, up. No, 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 he's a busy no, man. He's a busy man, I know. Busy man. But no, I, I personally just, I, I don't I don't care about Men in Black, nor I love I love 21 Jump Street, but. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, we'll see. Certainly, uh, I don't know if we're going to get another Terminator installment, so maybe the crossover won't even be in the conversation mm-hmm. uh, because it looks like it's this thing is not unless it's got legs like we don't we 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 can't see right now. This thing is probably almost dead in the waters, unfortunately. So, all right. All well, right. thanks for watching this episode of Collider Movie Tech. Always appreciate you all taking the time to watch and to listen to us. Uh, let's go around the table. RB three, thank you so much. Where can they find you? Uh, you can find me, uh, you know, online at Director RB three on social medias, and you can find um, Andres and I on our youtube channel first cut that's right uh andres where can they find you uh you can find me on twitter and instagram at squad leader ace and you can uh find us on the meaning of podcast and first cut youtube channel that's where we're gonna drop our stuff so make mm-hmm. sure and check us out there you go i gotta get on that show they keep they keep asking me and unfortunately i'm so crazy doing my other podcast yeah but i gotta jump on the show because i want to talk more with you guys definitely we'll have some great battles on that show i yes. know i can sense it all right well <laughs> thanks everybody again uh thanks to adam smith the booth thanks to dorian in the chat for helping us out and we'll see you tomorrow with another live episode of collider movie talk 9 a.m pacific standard time take care Hey, little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just 2 bucks on the one 2 3 menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.